Hello and welcome to this introduction of Coliseum Corner. My name is Bill Yankovey and I am the host of Coliseum Corner. Coliseum Corner is a wrestling podcast where I review each and every Coliseum home video that the World Wrestling Federation ever did from 1985 to 1997. One of the fun things about this podcast is that I'm not going to be reviewing WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble. Oh no, 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 no. Everybody's reviewed those shows. I'm going to be reviewing the best of the WWF series, the Super Tape series, personalities, specialties, and even the Collector's Editions videotapes. This podcast, what is going to make it so different from any other wrestling-related podcast you will ever hear, is that it is no schedule. It's not a weekly podcast. It's not a bi-weekly podcast. It's not a monthly podcast. What it is, it's a podcast where when it pops up, it pops up. And I am going in chronological order from the very beginning in 1985, that first set, all the way until its end in 1997. So, if you still have your Coliseum videotapes, pop them into your VCRs, watch them again, or, if you're like me, I've actually found a way to watch these Coliseum videos on Blu-ray discs, then I think you'll like Coliseum Corner. Thank you for listening to this introduction, and I hope you enjoy Coliseum Corner. Hello everybody, this is Bill Yankovey, and welcome to Coliseum Corner, where I review all of the Coliseum Home videos. Today, it is another adventure into the best of the WWF series, as it is the best of the WWF Volume 4 that is going to be the tape that I will be reviewing here today. Now, the first three volumes of the Best of the WWF series have been pretty good, with 1 and 3 being especially real good. Can Volume 4 hold up to Volumes 1 and 3? Well, we'll just have to wait and see how things turn out. Well, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into the Best of the WWF Volume 4. This tape is hosted by Vince McMahon, and he tells us that this is the best of not only in professional sports, but also in entertainment. Huh, I got a bad feeling he's gonna combine those two words someday. Just, just got a bad feeling about that. Well, we go to Madison Square Garden for our opening match as Rowdy Roddy Piper takes on Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Now, Vince McMahon starts this match by saying that, have you ever heard Roddy Piper admitting to a mistake? Well, we were shocked when one of the producers asked Piper about teaming up with Paul Orndorff in the main event of the first WrestleMania. And the way I'm going to say this is Vince's words, not mine. Quote, I made an error in judgment. Yes, Vince has that A in there. Like, I, that, that's something I've noticed, like, watching some of the old stuff. is like, oh, look at that Tara. 
look at this era. You know, it's just, I know he's he was raised in North Carolina, but he just has that, you know, northern accent. So this match is apparently called the Match of Honor. Well, I wonder if this is where Ring of Honor was born. So anyway, the match starts off. Paul Orndorff goes right after Roddy Piper. He's beating down on him. And it is all Orndorff early on in the contest. Roddy Piper has to get out of there. But Orndorff will not let up on, excuse me, on the hot Scott as he pounds away on Piper. But Roddy Piper does manage to make a comeback and starts to work on Paul Orndorff's neck and arm area. Now, we get a really good spot during this match where Piper goes for a pin, but Orndorff tries to bridge out of it, and... You know, Piper puts his weight down, and you know, Orndorff tries again, and then Piper tries to keep the weight down, and then on the third time, Orndorff manages to get back up, gets a backslide, but could only get a one count as Piper was in the ropes. So this is just a continuation of really a fight. There's really not much wrestling involved, but this is much more than a fight. They go back and forth in the ring and out of the ring, and... Piper gets in trouble, and it looks like Paul Orndorff is going to win this match. He climbs all the way up to the top rope when all of a sudden, Cowboy Bob Orton comes from behind and pushes Mr. Wonderful off, and Orndorff gets up, and he starts fighting Orton, and then Piper comes in. It's a double team, and the referee calls for the bell. Now, we have this funny spot here during the beatdown post-match. So the referee tries to break it up, and Piper, you know, he kicks the referee, or he tries to kick the referee, you know, being Roddy Piper. Referee no-sells it. Then Piper tries to punch the referee, and the referee no-sells the punch. (laughs) So this referee is immune to Roddy Piper's pain. So we get this beat down, and at one point, Gorilla is like, there is no justice for this. And then all of a sudden, here come the British Bulldogs. Davy Boy Smith, Dynamite Kid come in. They try to make the save. Piper throws Dynamite Kid to the outside, but Dynamite comes back in, and he goes after Piper. Orton throws Davy Boy onto the outside. Orton goes to help Piper. But Davy Boy Smith gets back in the ring. Piper escapes. Orton is stuck temporarily with both the Bulldogs and Orndorff before Orton can make it out of the ring safely. Paul Orndorff is declared the winner as a result of a disqualification. You know, while I was watching it, it made me think, did they ever have a match with Roddy Piper and Bob Orton against the British Bulldogs? That would have been a fascinating tag team match to see Orton and Piper against the British Bulldogs. Um, I'm going to guess, and that is my key word there, guess that we did not get that match. But if we did, I'd like to see the footage of it. I'm sure that's a pretty fun match. Now, 
our next match is going to take us to the Boston Garden. And yes, this is the first time that we have a match from the Boston Garden. We are on the 12th tape, or yeah, the 12th tape in the 12th episode, and we finally have a match in the Boston Garden. And Vince McMahon hypes it up, being it is the Boston Garden, home of the perennial NBA champions, Boston Celtics, who really had a very long string of success, and even in the 80s, they're very successful. 84, they come off winning the NBA championship, and in 85, they attempt to repeat as NBA champions, but fall short to the Los Angeles Lakers in six games. But this is before the Boston Celtics and the LA Lakers meet in the 1985 NBA championship, as it is Hulk Hogan and Superfly Jimmy Snuka facing Don Morocco and Cowboy Bob Orton. Now, a couple of things to note about this uh, this particular match. Number one, this is the main event from the first card televised on NESN. Yes, this, this is the main event of the first show that was ever televised on the New England Sports Network. That's, that is number one which I find really interesting that this is the main event of the first time that the WWF and Nesson uh, had this. Secondly, originally the match was supposed to be Roddy Piper and Bob Orton against Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Snuka. The Magnificent Morocco substituted for Piper in this particular match. What happened with Roddy Piper, I'm not really sure. I could not give you a definitive answer on that one. So let's get to this match. So Hogan and Snooker, they go to the corner about to get ready when Orton and Morocco try to double team them, but Hogan and Snooker catch them both, and the crowd is going wild. And this crowd is absolutely fantastic in this match. They're really into this match. So Hogan and Snuka, they're off, they're paired up, and they're fighting. You know, Snuka is with Orton, Hogan is with Morocco. They keep punching, punching, and it is all Snuka and early on in the match. And then it ends up being Orton and Snuka. And for a little bit, Snuka and Hogan have the advantage on Cowboy Bob Orton. However, Orton is able to reverse the misfortunes that were going on on him as Hulk Hogan ends up running into the corner, into the turnbuckle. So Don Morocco gets tagged in, and he gets a little bit of an advantage on Hulk Hogan. Now this match, um, there are parts where the match is cut, so you don't get the entire match. So, um, Hogan eventually makes a tag to Jimmy Snuka. Snuka gets in. He goes after Morocco. He goes after Orton. And then we get this part where Orton hits Snuka in the head with the cast. And as this is going on, Morocco pulls Hogan off the apron, body slams him onto the con or well not the concrete but the parlay floor parquet floor of the Boston Garden 
and Jimmy Snuka is busted open. Now, this is the second match in a row that somebody has been busted open. Orndorf, I forgot to mention it in the previous match, Orndorf had been busted open by Roddy Piper and uh, Cowboy Bob Orton post-match. So, we're starting to have a little bit of a theme here on this tape. I, it wasn't intentional, but there is a theme. So, Orton and Morocco, they keep uh, beating up on Snuka, who's busted open. And Snuka does make a tag to Hulk Hogan. Hogan comes in, he's cleaning house. And at one point... The referee is distracted by Mr. Fuji, and I love Mean Gene's answer. Is like, like the the uh, gorilla is like, where is this referee? And Mean Gene's like, he's probably out at lunch. So Orton and Morocco they keep double teaming Hogan. The referees had enough. Referee calls for the bell. So then Orton and Morocco go for a double clothesline. Hogan ducks, and then he just poses. It's the weird. It's the weirdest thing. He just does this pose. He's like, Arr! and then Snuka comes in, and now they've got Morocco and Orton. They've got him surrounded in the ring, and they start to fight again. So then they go onto the outside. Snuka follows Morocco. Hogan follows Orton, and then this is where absolute craziness happens. Hogan sends Orton into the wooden barricade, the wooden, uh, like, I, I guess it, you, you could call it, like, the wooden protection, you know, where the, where the gate would be to protect the fans. So the wooden, uh, the wooden wall falls down. Orton gets up. He tries to strike a fan. And then, on the side, here comes about 20 30 fans running over onto onto this left side and the cops are trying to fight them off they're trying to push the fans back Orton and Hogan are still fighting Morocco and Snuka are still fighting and thankfully Snuka or not Snuka but Morocco and Orton get out of there before there's a darn riot in the Boston Garden which would have been hilarious on their first show to air on the New England Sports Network. Hogan and Snuka get the win as a result of a disqualification. Now we go to the Spectrum. We go to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania for a 20-man over-the-top rope battle royal. <laughs> and this is another favorite in the Coliseum video uh early in, in its early stages is the battle royal this is i believe the fourth battle royal we've had on this or so far because um in the second set there was one in the wwf's most unusual matches and one in andre the giant and how could we ever forget the battle royal on volume three so it kind of makes sense that we have a battle royal on Volume 4. Now, unfortunately, unlike the previous three Battle Royals where every name was listed, there were no names listed. So I had to look up the history of WWE.com, and uh, thanks to Graham Coffin and 
Richard Land for the assist here. As they have right here the list of the 20 men that were in this battle royal. The participants in the battle royal were Tony Atlas, Greg Valentine, Blackjack Mulligan, S.D. Jones, Steve Travis, Adrian Adonis, Baron Mikel Cicluna, Mr. Fuji, Mr. Saito, Sweet Hansen, Pedro Morales, Ivan Putsky, Tony Garia, Jose Estrada, Charlie Fulton, Johnny Rods, Lorenz Sochi, Jimmy Snuka, and the Strongbows. And imagine this. Jimmy Snuka is the first man eliminated from this battle royal. <laughs> Shockingly, Snuka's the first man eliminated in the battle royal. Now, what makes this even more interesting is that this is when Snuka's a heel. So we're in 1982, Snuka's a heel, and he's the first man eliminated from the battle royal. Very, very interesting. Now, of course, I'm not going to be able to do all the coverage of the Battle Royal. I could not do it justice. But we had some interesting pairings. We had some interesting combinations. Sometimes, you know, we'd have one man get eliminated. Sometimes we'd have two get eliminated at the same time. And on the rare occasion, we had even three men eliminated. But my favorite line in the entire match, and maybe my favorite line in the entire video, comes from Vince McMahon, because Vince McMahon does commentary for this match. So, we're down to about 9 or 10. And Lorenzo Chi is still in this match. I don't know how, he just still is. And he pairs up with Greg Valentine. And Sochi, you know, he, he, he starts throwing a couple of punches at Valentine. And Vince is like, huh, he punches like a girl. <laughs> I cracked up. Because he's like, this man who's never going to be on this, you know, he's never going to be on another video ever again. He gets called out by the referee. He gets called out by Vince McMahon. He throws a punch like a girl. So, eventually, we get down to the final four. It is down to a bloody Greg Valentine. I get no idea why... Uh, Greg Valentine has to bleed in a battle royal. S.D. Jones, Tony Atlas, and Adrian Adonis. Those are the final four men in this battle royal. So, they get paired off. Uh, Jones is with Valentine, and Atlas is with Adonis. So, at one point, Jones gets thrown through the ropes and onto the floor, which does not count as an elimination. So, Valentine bloody face and all continues to fight him off even though he has not been eliminated meanwhile atlas and adonis they are fighting each other and atlas eventually eliminates adrian adonis and now valentine is tied up into the ropes it's a two-on-one and eventually sd jones hits two drop kicks the second drop kick eliminates greg valentine from the match now we're down to S.D. Jones and Tony Atlas. And, you know, these guys are BFFs. They're best friends. So they do a little, you know, Greco-Roman wrestling, do a little, you know, teasing of the wrestling. And, oh, look at this. They hug and they're cheering and they're celebrating. But we, we have to have a winner. 
we have to have a winner of this battle royal. So, you know, they're not gonna really, you know, fight until somebody gets eliminated, right? Well, <laughs> if you've never seen this match, be glad that I'm about to tell you how this ends. So, the two referees assigned to the match are in the ring. Gary Michael Capetta is the ring announcer. Yes, GMC is there. And the winner of the Battle Royal is determined by a flip of the coin. Let that sink in for a minute. A Battle Royal is determined by a coin toss. Imagine if the main event of WrestleMania, like the ending to the main event of WrestleMania, the outcome was by a flip of the coin. How funny would that be? Well, Tony Atlas wins the coin toss, so he's going to win the Battle Royal, and they have to do the quote-unquote ceremonial toss of S.D. Jones, who just goes over the top and onto the apron, and S.D. Jones win or SD Jones is the last man eliminated. Tony Atlas wins the Battle Royal. Now this would not be the last time that these 20 men would be on this card because they a lot of them had matches, but a lot of them would get used for the main event of that night's show, which was a lumberjack match for the World Wrestling Federation title, where Bob Backlund successfully defended the title, beating Cowboy Bob Orton. The Lumberjacks that were involved in the match were Ivan Putski, Blackjack Mulligan, S.D. Jones, Tony Atlas, Mr. Fuji, Adrian Adonis, Pedro Morales, Steve Travis, Johnny Rod, Swede Hansen, Lorenzo Sochi, who punches like a girl, and Mr. Saito. So a lot of these guys were pulling triple duty on that night's card. Well, we're going to take a break from the action because now we have a specialty section on this videotape where we get to look at finishing moves, specialty moves. It's called the specialty of the house. So we get Barry Windham and the bull or the bulldog, almost called it the bullfrog. Um, we get King Kong Bundy and the avalanche. Brutus Beefcake and the Backbreaker, Ricky Steamboat's Karate, Paul Orndorff's Strength, uh, we've got Iron Sheik's Camel Clutch, we get, you know, Hulk Hogan's Clothesline and Elbow, I, I know that's pretty weird to say when we all know what his finishing move is, uh, Stan Hansen with the Lariat, yes, Stan Hansen makes it onto this day with a Lariat, um, the British Bulldogs and their acrobat, Greg Valentine, we get to know why he is truly the hammer, and Jimmy Snuka with the flying leap, or as Angelo Mosca called it, it's the Statue of Liberty! And then we get weird walking, Brutus Beefcake struts for a moment, and then he and Hogan strut again, and then we get... Jesse Ventura, after he beats up Ivan Putsky, do a little strut of his own. Now, the next three matches on this tape all revolve around Andre the Giant. So, if you're not a fan of Andre, I'm gonna recommend you maybe skip this part. 
because there's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of Andre here. So the first match that I'm going to be talking about with Andre the Giant is with Killer Khan, and this is a Mongolian stretcher match. So the basically the object of the match is to beat up your opponent to the point that he can, in your mind, in your mind, he cannot continue the match and he has to be put on a stretcher and is carried off, carried away from ringside. So, how did we get to this match? Well, the short version of it is... Killer Khan broke the ankle of Andre the Giant and put him out of action for several months. And because of this, Andre had to have surgery and he missed a lot of time. And he did manage to come back. And this is the final confrontation between the two of Killer Khan and Andre the Giant. So early on, Andre goes right to work on Killer Khan, beating up on him, just going right after him, not giving a care in the world, because really there are no rules to this match. So Killer Khan manages to slip under, but he gets back in the ring, and Andre beats on him again. But eventually, Killer Khan attacks the ankle of Andre the Giant, and he even ties it into the rope, in between the middle and the bottom rope, and he met, he jumps off the rope and goes after the ankle of Andre the Giant, and it's kind of funny because he tries, that being the key word, tries to put Andre onto the stretcher along with the referee and the head stretcher man, and it does not work. Andre grabs the stretcher, starts swinging it around, and hits Killer Khan on multiple occasions with the stretcher. And then the rest of the match is just Andre beating up Killer Khan. And I love Vince's commentary here again, because he's like, Andre the Giant, the only undefeated professional wrestler, never been beat. Killer Khan trying to do it. So... Then, towards the end, Andre would be hitting his, you know, sit-down splash on the Killer Khan. And there's one point where, you know, the referee and the medic, they put Khan on, and they try to take him out, but Khan reaches the bottom rope. He's not going. He's not going to go. So then Andre sees this, and Andre starts sitting on Killer Khan again. So they put Khan on the you know on on the stretcher. They think they've got him out, but he grabs the ring skirt. And Killer Khan will not go again. This is like the third time they've tried and they cannot do it. So then Andre grabs Khan, does a beautiful double underhook suplex, and then hits one more big splash onto Killer Khan, and that is what it takes for Killer Khan to be put on a stretcher, to be taken away, and Andre the Giant not only gets the win, but gets revenge on Killer Khan. Now, something I just realized looking at the date 
this actually took place on my sister's fourth birthday. So uh, if uh, we lived in Philadelphia, I highly doubt my dad would have taken my sister to go see the show because she would have been four years old. Now, what makes this match even more fascinating is that this match was named by Pro Wrestling Illustrated the 1981 Match of the Year. That's right. This was voted by the fans of Pro Wrestling Illustrated the 1981 Match of the Year. So what other matches did it beat, you might be wondering, in 1981? Well, let's just say the first runner-up may surprise you because the first runner-up is Ric Flair beating Dusty Rhodes for the NWA World Heavyweight title. That's right. This match beat Flair versus Dusty for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Other matches it beat that year include... Bob Backlund against Don Morocco, and Michael Hayes against Terry Gordy. Now, this also won... uh, Let me pull this up. It also won the Feud of the Year in 1981 for the... Well, yeah, for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And it was also named the Feud of the Year in 1981 for the Wrestling Observer newsletter so this was a pretty interesting year considering you know this is the year that flair wins the world the nwa world title that this is the mat or this this match is named the, the match of the year by pro wrestling illustrated very very interesting so the second match in the andre trilogy is Andre the Giant against Big John Studd inside of a steel cage. Now we get to the closing moments of this match, and this is a very interesting match. Big John Studd, want to take a guess? Anybody want to take a guess? Busted wide open. And, you know, John tries to get out of there. He gets a lobe shot. Onto uh, onto Andre, he tries to get out, but Andre grabs his foot, grabs his heel, drags him back in. You know, sends him into the cage, hits a body slam, which at that time would have only given Andre five thousand dollars, not fifteen. And then Andre the Giant climbs the top rope, and Gorilla, you know, he's saying, "Oh, he's gonna leave the cage. He's gonna climb over the top." Well. No. Instead, he jumps from the top rope to hit the big sitting splash onto King Kong, or on the King Kong Bundy, onto Big John Stud, knocks him out, Andre leaves the cage, Andre wins the match. Now, for the final part of the Andre trilogy, it is Andre the Giant against King Kong Bundy in what is called the Colossal Jostle. Andre here in this match from September 1985 is led to the ring by his new manager, Captain Louis Albano. 
Very interesting. Uh, thankfully, this is the clipped version of the match, not the entire match, because I have seen the entire match, and it's kind of a bore. But I do want to point out a couple of spots here. Right away, Andre goes to work on Bundy. He's just going on him, not giving him any chance, any advantage, and Bundy has to go to the floor. Then we go to a, another clip in the match where Bundy is, you know, working on Andre. Andre's on one knee, and Andre just pushes Bundy. It's like a push or a shove that sends Bundy flying out through the ropes, and Bundy is, like, within two inches of missing the table. Like, his head almost hits the table from the way he got pushed out. It was a scary, scary sight there. Uh, Bundy eventually does get the advantage on Andre, and th the whole point here is he's trying to go for the sternum because... If you remember, in Wrestling's Amazing Managers, King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd broke the sternum of Andre the Giant. So Bundy's trying to go for it again, and then Andre gets a little bit of an advantage. He's coming back a little bit. Andre sends or tries to send Bundy to the corner. Bundy reverses. Bundy tries for the avalanche, but Andre gets the big boot up. Then he goes for the big splash. And then all of a sudden, and you have to see it, Bobby Heenan comes running down, waving Big John Stud to come into the ring and attack Andre the Giant. The referee calls for the bell. It becomes a two-on-one where they're trying to break the sternum of Andre the Giant again. Captain Lou tries to get involved. Andre goes to the floor. Then he grabs a chair, and this is really funny. Because Andre's got this chair. It's, it's got a cushion on it. He does one whack of the chair on this table. Whack! The cushion is completely broken off the chair. So it is just metal on metal on this chair. And Bundy and Stud get out of there before Andre has anything to do with them and that chair. And Captain Lou gets on the mic and is like, Oh, bring him back in! Bring him back in! I want to bring him back in! We want to have some more! Andre the Giant declared the winner via disqualification. And now we go to the final match on this tape. And this is easily the best match of the tape. Ricky Steamboat, he's not a dragon yet. Ricky Steamboat and Tito Santana against Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine. Now, this match takes place on April 21st, 1985. So, this is three weeks after WrestleMania. Valentine is still Intercontinental Champion. He and Tito Santana, they're having this feud, this feud that's still going on. And Vince McMahon points out that several months after this match... Beefcake and Valentine would go on to become tag team champions. So there's a lot to a lot to point out and a lot to remember in this match. But this is the only match where we get the entirety of the match. Not not complaining. And this is a really good tag team match. 
So it starts off with Santana and Beefcake in the ring. They got some good chemistry in there. Steamboat comes in. Steamboat and Beefcake have good chemistry. Valentine comes in. Steamboat and Valentine, they have good chemistry. There's basically good chemistry all around with all four of these guys. Now, Gorilla points out, because this is Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura on commentary. Gorilla points out that if either Steamboat or Santana beat Greg Valentine, in particular Greg Valentine in this tag match, that they might receive a future shot at the Intercontinental title. Now, what they get if they beat Brutus Beefcake in this match, I'm not really sure. So, I can't really say that they'd get, you know, I don't know, maybe a couple extra grand? I don't know. But this is just a really good tag team match. You get a good story told here. Um, Steamboat gets worked on. Santana gets worked on. And, you know, Santana tries to get the figure four on early in the match. Valentine just will not let him do it. Valentine looks like he tries to get the figure four on the steamboat, but he can't really do it. And there's a really good sequence where when Santana is in trouble, he is in there with Beefcake. And the referee's trying to get uh, Steamboat back into the corner. So Santana's crawling on his hands and hands and feet. And Beefcake's like a like a guard, like a defense, you know, like a on offensive lineman, and he's trying to block Santana from getting a tag, and he's doing everything he can, and then Santana finally goes underneath the legs, and the referee sees the tag, the steamboat. It's a really good sequence of action on Santana and Beefcake's part, and this this just keeps going. It's very good, and then we get to the end where everyone gets involved. Steamboat is off with Beefcake. Santana and Valentine, they're alone. Santana blocks an atomic drop. Valentine goes for an atomic drop. Santana basically moves himself further away from the knee, grabs Valentine, sweeps him off his feet, locks in the figure four. Beefcake tries to get involved. Steamboat blocks him. Valentine gives up to the figure four leg lock. And Ricky Steamboat and Tito Santana beat Beefcake and Valentine. Very, very good tag team match here. Like I said, best match on the tape. Now, normally, I don't point out the credits. I, I really don't. But I'm going to make an exception here. Because... You know, when, when you watch these old Coliseum videos, you'll notice that they use uh, stills of, you know, some of the highlights, action from the videotape. Well, we get some that really don't fit the tape. <laughs> like Hillbilly Jim posing. Doesn't really fit the tape, but okay, we'll go with that. George Steele eating a turnbuckle. No, we didn't see that on this tape, that's for sure. Johnny Valiant and Brutus Beefcake with Gene Okerlund. Now I know we definitely didn't see that on this particular tape. But hold it right there, wrestling fans, because we've got three new exciting video cassettes coming soon from Coliseum Video. 
Start with the Best of the World Wrestling Federation Volume 5. We've got the British Bulldogs, the Hart Foundation, Tito Santana, Wendy Richter, and from the files of our most unusual matches, an eight-man tag team match with Rocky Johnson, Big John Studd, Chief J. Strongbow, and the Wild Samoans. Then an entire video cassette devoted to the, to the career of one wild individual. He's been called a madman, a sinner and the saint. The life and times of Captain Louis Albano. And in a special collector's video taped two hours, the Tag Team Champions. A six-year retrospective of the Tag Team Champions in the World Wrestling Federation. From Beefcake and Valentine to everyone in between, the titles are on the line in every match of the tape. The best of the WWF Volume 5, the life and times of Captain Louis Albano, and the Tag Team Champions. Call your local video retailer and reserve your copy now. Now, if you'd like to write to Coliseum Video, all you gotta do is write to The Producer, Coliseum Video, 430 West 54th Street, New York, New York, 10019. So, what did I think of the best of the WWF Volume 4? Well, I gotta tell you, I guess my memory kind of played tricks on me. I remember this being a little bit of a better video, but it's still a good video. It's not as great as I remember this tape being, but it is a good video. You have some good highlights, some good moments in here. The, the near riot in Boston, the battle royal is kind of fun. Um, Steamboat and Santana against Beefcake and Valentine is a great match to watch. That is a definite recommend there. Orndorff and Piper is a fun little match there. Uh, of course, it is an MSG, so that kind of helps it. The Andre series is very interesting. Um, Killer Khan and Andre, that's... Boy, that's a surprise that you know, I think anyone that this match would be on the tape... Uh, him and Stud in the cage, and it's kind of interesting that that match is on the tape, considering at that time, Andre and Stud, they're like, kind of off, but there's still a little bit of animosity between them, and of course, Andre and Bundy, where Bundy takes that very scary bump, I thought his head hit the table, I really, really did. Um, overall, the tape is okay. It's got some good moments on here. Not the best videotape, but it is a good tape either way. Um, so if you want to watch it, I'd recommend go right ahead. Watch this tape. I think you're going to get some good stuff on here. Plus you had a very good section on the finishing maneuvers of wrestlers in the WWF, especially in this time in 1985. Alright, well that's going to do it for this edition of Coliseum Corner. Thank you all for listening to this episode. And until next time, I am Bill Yankovey, and you've been listening to Coliseum Corner. Goodbye, everybody.